Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and it's good to be with you again on another episode of the Vitality Radio podcast. I am always excited to bring this show to you. That never changes, regardless of the topic or the guest or if it's a solo show. But it's always just a little extra exciting when I get to bring somebody back on the show who is also a personal friend of mine who I communicate with outside of recording for podcasts. Uh, And I have such a guest for you today. I'm going to introduce her in just a moment. But before I get to that, I want to talk to you about what we're going to speak about. We're going to talk about pain. Pain is uh, comes in many different flavors. Uh, we have, uh, and we're talking primarily physical pain on this episode as opposed to a mental or emotional. But when it comes to physical, there are also a variety of different uh, types of pain or a variety of different intensities, of course. And we have both acute pain uh, that happens when we do stupid things like smack our toe on a nightstand. And we have chronic pain when we have things like arthritis or autoimmune disorders or a variety of other reasons why somebody might suffer chronic pain. And then there are pains that are a little more challenging to deal with than other pains. Back pain can be a really big challenge. Nerves, nervous system pain like neuropathy uh, can be a significant challenge. And so pain as a topic, I think, well, if we're talking about acute pain, especially not one of us has gotten out of that in our lives. And I think this episode might shed some light on a lot of things that we can help you with to get out of pain, to get your inflammatory response uh, in check, and to help you with some of these things that you may be dealing with. We're going to cover as many bases as we can in the hour that we have, and I've brought on a guest who is hyper-intelligent about these things and lives and practices what she preaches uh, other than when she's having a sugar overload at the end of summer with her son. Maggie Frank is with me today once again on Vitality Radio. Maggie, welcome back. Hi, Jared. Thanks for having me. You bet. I did have to throw you under the bus there a little bit. You... you, uh, you confessed to me that there had been a few extra treats at the end of summer, and uh, I can say that, well, I'm right there with you. <laughs> We're definitely paying for it. We are human. We <laughs> we tend to do the 85-15, 85 good nutrition, 15% uh-huh. indulgent, but towards the end of the summer, we were probably 50-50, and we're paying for it now. <laughs> Detox is happening. I- Nutrient yeah, intensity, like we have to increase it. Yep. Especially as we are rolling into that time of year where we started kind of getting back in the house, not so much outdoors and all that sort of thing. It's time to, uh, yeah, get back on top of things and get our immune systems all geared up and so on. So I'm excited to have you on. For those who haven't heard you before or don't remember, tell us a little bit about your history and what you're doing now when it comes to health and nutrition. My current role is as the educator for CV Sciences. We make plus CBD products. I found my way to CV Sciences after 20 years in the natural products industry, 
working both on the retail side, working with communities and customers to help them empower their health, find safe and effective natural ways to feel better. Um, and then I transitioned into education for a company called Vibrant Health. They make comprehensive superfood formulas. And after about five years with them, I was really lucky to make the jump to CV Sciences, where I get to speak of one of my true loves, cannabis and the endocannabinoid system. And they've given me a platform to travel across the country and really talk to people about a, a really exciting area in research. Um, and not only research, but as you know, CBD comes from a family of plants, cannabis family, that has a lot of feelings about it. Mm -hmm. I love being the person to kind of dispel the myths and bring something that has a bad rap to people in, in a less scary way. All right. So let's start there just really quickly before we dive into the pain topic. Um, as you've heard it, because I know you've heard it as much as anybody probably on this planet, what are the feelings that people have surrounding cannabis, CBD, THC, all this type of thing? Uh, what myths do you have to dispel? Well, that the plant is inherently bad, that it is going to ruin society, that it should never be allowed that it is somehow different than all of the other plants we were given to support our wellness. Um, there are moral feelings. Um, I, I find that especially in areas where people are a bit more religious. Mm -hmm. For a long time, there was morality wrapped around whether or not you use the cannabis family of plants. Um, people are also scared. We had a lot of propaganda telling people that this plant could really hurt them, could affect them physically, mentally, and emotionally in a negative way. Um, so a lot of times I'm working with people to just kind of break down and remove the fear surrounding this. Mm -hmm. All right. And it's interesting because I just was uh, listening to a guy on Facebook. He's a local guy, but he's got a bit of a national uh, imprint. He's uh, his name's Connor Boyack. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he runs an organization called uh, Libertas. I think is how he pronounces it, as in Liberty. And he was uh, instrumental in getting medical marijuana passed in Utah as an option uh, for people. And here in Utah, of course, there's a predominant religion, and they did stand up and say, you know, we don't think this should be legalized, and they put up a, a pretty big fight. So there definitely have been some religious things that have popped up when it comes to cannabis. And I remember early on, because this is years ago now, um, and before I even knew what CBD was, I think, when the initial petitions were just kind of cycling around, um, because it, it, it wasn't a one-time thing in Utah. It took a minute for it to get passed. And I remember thinking that uh, as someone who was kind of in an interesting position, being a, a native Utahn and being familiar with the culture here, and also a native herbal guy that loves herbs and uses herbs for everything, it was an interesting thing to kind of see both sides of the equation. And I recognized that I had all kinds of misconceptions in my own head about, you know, quote unquote, marijuana or cat cannabis or whatever it was, and didn't really know how I felt about it because the herbalist side of me said, bring it on. If it's something that can be helpful, it can be used safely. Absolutely. But the, you know, 
I guess, moral side or the side where I thought, well, wait a minute, I've been told this is wrong all my life, wasn't so sure. So I totally get it. Have you noticed, you know, you're about, uh, what, six, seven years younger than me. I'm 51. Um, have you noticed that the older people are, the more reservations that they have? You know, it, I, I don't. I don't really? find That's interesting, it's cause... really interesting. Um, and it was it was a really good lesson for me in kind of breaking down my own preconceived notions in people. When I first started with CV, I remember my I was in the middle of the South and I pulled up to this store and they had the huge Make America Great sign again and this big crucifix. Uh-huh. And I walked in and everybody was definitely of a much older demographic. And I thought, oh, they're going to have guns out for me. This isn't going to go well. (laughs) And I walked up and I started talking to the staff and the owner of the store came out. He was this very, I mean, he looked like he should be a pastor. He was, it was very clear. He was faithful. Um, Mm -hmm. And we started chit-chatting. He's like, you know what? My wife and I, I went to school in Berkeley. And while we were out in Berkeley, we used to smoke some pot. And we liked it. <laughs> but then we came home and we did what good Christians do. We started a family. I got a job. We did our careers. We raised our children. Now we're grandparents. And we started looking around and it, it became really clear. The friends of ours who had never stopped were a heck of a lot healthier than those of us who had. <laughs> so my wife and I decided there had to be a way that we could embrace this plant again. And now what they found was that the marijuana or high THC cannabis that was Mm -hmm. recreationally available to them in their community was definitely not what they had been consuming in Berkeley in the 70s. It was much stronger. It made them feel really uncomfortable. But they found that versions of hemp extracts gave them that feeling of just feeling good and feeling relaxed and having some of their pain alleviated but they still felt in control and they were all about it. So I find it's really a person to person situation. And it's often where was their conditioning laid? Um, But I have completely let go of the fact that it's an age thing or it's every faith based people. It's really interesting how people come to believe the things they do about the cannabis family of plants. Um, And we're also running into a lot of younger people who I often talk about pendulums in in life, like Mm -hmm. humans have a really hard time. We get to extremes and instead of going, oh, that's not good. We're going to kind of like come back to center. We don't do that. We like to overcorrect pendulums, like we bounce to extremes. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed in like the last eight years or so is that a lot of the kind of propagandized reefer madness, reefer will ruin you, marijuana is this evil plant. We over almost overcorrected it to a point where it was like, there's no risk in this plant. There's no concern. You can use as much of it as you want. THC is always going to be a good thing. And now I'm actually starting to see the kids in their teens because they've watched people in their mid-20s consume too much THC. Mm-hmm. Now we're starting to see these younger teenagers go, ooh, maybe I'm not so sure about this plan. 
So I do think that when it comes to this plant, it's been so mystified and it, it's had so many stereotypes attached to it that the only way we can safely and effectively integrate it into society is if people like you and I educate because it is a nuanced conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that I always tell people when they ask me about cannabis generally is that it's unlike many of the herbs that are sold in health food stores that, frankly, you'd have to try pretty hard to cause yourself problems with, um, you know, overdosing, using it too often, these types of things. With cannabis, it's a plant that requires some wisdom and some education to use it correctly and to get the, result, get the results that you want without causing any problems for yourself as well. So. I 100% agree with, with all of that, and um, I I wanted to get that out there because there's always someone listening to this show uh, when we talk about this plant that has reservations, and so I want to, I wanna, those who are listening that feel a little reservation about this, hear us out. We'll recognize that we realize that this plant is a little different than other plants for a lot of different reasons, uh, but we also believe that it is true medicine that can be used in some really beautiful and helpful ways. 100%. So, I kind of liken it to kava kava. I love kava, but you can misuse kava. For sure. Yeah. There are quite a few plants like that. It's just, I think marijuana has more stigma and, oh, and more awareness. Like everybody's heard of this stuff. And for the most part, for most of their lives, they've heard more demonizing things yes. than redemptive things, right? 100%. Yeah. Okay, so let's get let's go back into pain here and talk about this. First off, Maggie, what, what's your impression or what do you think people need to understand about acute pain versus chronic pain in terms of, um, you know, what's happening in the body and, and uh, what, what the difference is between the two? Well, when we look at acute pain, we're talking about that localized, like I bang my shoulder or I stub my toe. Um, it's it's going to be localized. It's going to be intense, but it's in a, in a healthy system. With the right support, it's going to be able to resolve itself over mm -hmm. time, right? We're dealing with that local area. When we get into chronic pain, that pain that just won't quit, that's an indication that the system has not recovered at that localized level. And we're now moving into a situation where not only the body is dealing with that pain, but it's also become affected in the brain. The brain is literally in a chronic pain loop. Um, so often when we look at the two, it can be really hard for most people to have that conversation because I think that a lot of times, and maybe you would disagree, I don't know, maybe agree or disagree, but I think in this country, we do a really good job of dealing with that acute pain in the moment, but have a very hard time with that chronic pain loop that so many people in our society find themselves in on a daily basis. Well, I agree completely with that. And I think there's a couple of aspects to it that maybe we should discuss really briefly here. One is that from a pharmaceutical standpoint, if we just talk about drugs right now, whether it's over-the-counter or, or uh, prescription, the pharmaceutical drugs for acute pain are pretty effective. Now, whether or not they're good for you is a whole other story, right? The ibuprofens, the Tylenols, the acetaminophens, all these different things – 
they they work pretty well. They can help you knock out a headache. They can help you with you know your tennis elbow or whatever else you're dealing with um, that would be more of an acute pain type of a flare up type of a pain. When we look at the drugs for chronic pain, now we talk about things, if you're talking about nerve pain, often it's gabapentin. I just did a whole show on gabapentin and why I think it is such an overdiagnosed or overused drug and what the dangers are of it. And then, of course, we all know now about the opioid epidemic. And we know that uh, if, if you don't know much about it, I've done multiple shows on that, too. We can link a couple of those in the show description. But the love of my life, my uh, new fiance, was addicted to opioids for 10 years. And it was because of a back injury. And her doctors told her they weren't addictive. And she dealt with that for 10 years of her life. And she's very... Um, very willing to let me talk about it and to talk about it herself to try to help anybody else that might be in that situation uh, to recognize that, you know, in most cases, it's not your fault, so to speak, you know, quote unquote fault, whatever that is. There are so many other things about it. But one of the things that we know about opiates, besides the fact that they kill a lot of people in this country um, and take away uh, quality of life in a significant way, is they're not good for chronic pain. They're not effective. The return on investment as time goes on, it's it's not yeah. good. It can actually make it the pain almost seem worse over yeah. time. So pharmaceutically, we don't have big answers for chronic pain that are effective that I'm aware of. Um, in fact, oftentimes it comes down to surgery, right? So I have 100%. chronic knee pain, so I get a knee replaced or something like that, or I get my discs fused or those types of things because there isn't really a drug route that actually works. But that's where... If we use the wisdom of nature, we can start to recognize that there are a bunch of things that can be done that don't require a doctor uh, to prescribe something or to cut something out or to fuse something together. And I believe, Maggie, that we've got to take pain as this comprehensive approach. Um, we can't look at pain and say, OK, well, I'll just take a pill or I'll just eat a little healthier or I'll just do some detoxifying. There's all these different things that roll into it. And I really wanna hit on all the things that we can come up with today that people can consider as a, uh, what's the word? A holistic approach to pain uh, and helping with pain, especially the chronic pain that so many people struggle with. So first let's talk about some lifestyle stuff. What are things that you have uh, seen success with that you believe work for that you can change in your lifestyle, whether that be diet or movement or detoxification or any of those types of things uh, that can help people with chronic pain? So this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, 2012, I was in a horrific car accident, car flipped, ended up upside down on the freeway. Um, I herniated four discs, uh, tore both my meniscus. I was... I was messed up, pretty messed up. They told me I was probably never going to be right without surgery again. And if I had the surgery, they weren't really sure that the surgery was going to resolve anything. Um, I was put on pharmaceutical medication, uh, muscle relaxants and pain relievers. I was lucky in the fact that within 10 days of starting the protocol, I was feeling suicidal. And I've never been an unhappy person. I, I mean, in the worst moments of my life, I've been pretty optimistic. Mm -hmm. So this was a very like, okay, things aren't right. Thank God I got off the medicine because I do come from a family with highly addictive personalities. And I don't know where I would have ended up if it hadn't stopped me. 
Um, but because I couldn't go the pharmaceutical route and I was not on board with surgery, I did embrace holistic and I did it all. So first I, you know how much I love nutrition. Nutrition is key for me. That omega three and six fatty acid balance is imperative to how our body's inflammatory response functions. So for me, I was taking high dose fish oil and that for those macro fats, EPA, DHA, but then I was also taking Udo's oil to get those macro fats in of omega-3 rich fatty acids. Um, I was taking about 10 to 15,000 milligrams a day. So, I mean, that's huge when we think most people take one to 2,000. I was taking significant amounts. Uh, I cut out all sugar. Sugar is inflammatory. I cut out all grains. Grains are inflammatory. I don't have any type of gluten issues that I, I that have been tested or anything, but it's inflammatory even with perfect digestion. So I just cut it all mm-hmm. out. Uh, a lot of nutrient-rich greens, berries, lean meats, that kind of was my diet, very minimally processed. Um, I also in braced all of the holistic adjuncts for healing, whether it be chiropractic, um, I was doing acupuncture, I was doing rolfing, um, is where they kind of manipulate things. I did a lot of assisted stretching to get everything kind of limber. Um, gosh, you name it, we did it. And it took it. I, I think there's some, some barriers, right. To, to this kind of thing. You have to be willing to commit. I was, my job, about 20 hours of my week was really focused on making sure I was getting the right nutrition and making sure I was getting the right movement. I think in this country, we very often are told to lay down and rest. But when you're in pain, once you get past that initial issue, the worst thing you can do is stay stagnant. You have to be moving. So if you can't walk, get in the water. If you can't do three blocks, do three minutes. It doesn't matter, but you have to find ways to keep your body mobile. Um, I just, I, I think that, like you said, it's a comprehensive plan and you can't look at just one thing. Yeah, well, I love that. I didn't know about that accident. That's interesting. I, uh, I you've never told me that before, so that's um, that is shocking. We've never talked about that. Before. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's ever come up. We've talked about everything that's happened since then, probably. But probably, maybe, maybe not that. That was that's honestly that first like trial of the knowledge because I had been in the natural product industry. I'd been working as a nutritionist and a personal trainer for about eight years at that point. I'd okay. only been working in supplements for about three years. And that Mm. car accident was really the test of like, do you believe what you say you believe? Right. Will this stuff you've been telling all these other people to do when Mm -hmm. it really comes down to it, will this work for you too? And I'm very proud to say that uh, nine months after I went through, did all the stuff, it took nine months and I was back to work full time. I was working out. Uh, the doctors were just amazed that my body, I was able to get back to the point I was. Well, and I'll, I'll go to my grave saying this, I'm sure. And that is that if you give the body what it needs and take out what it doesn't, uh, the body can heal itself it and does. does heal itself. Yeah. This happens and all the time. And I do not discount attitude there either. I think no. going in there and having the right mental attitude of I can heal 
I am capable. This will be temporary. This stinks and I hate feeling like this, but I can change this. I think that that was huge in my healing as well. I I agree. You've never seen an inspirational movie uh, where there wasn't a can-do attitude uh, that got that person to the place that they ultimately got to, whether it was the football championship or whatever else they were trying to accomplish, right? And but you did say something I thought was pretty interesting, and that is that you your life was turned upside down, literally and figuratively, in that car accident, and at that point, you you kind of have a choice to make, right? Because you're so quote unquote messed up at that point that you kind of either have to decide I'm going to be messed up forever and just sort of take it and deal with it. Or you've got to decide this isn't me. I'm going to move on from this. I think that there are a lot of people that don't get to the point you got to unless their life gets completely turned upside down. Oh, I agree. A hundred percent. So many people are in enough pain that it's somewhat debilitating. It makes life harder and more challenging. It slows them down from accomplishing the things they accomplish, but maybe they're not quite so blocked up by it, for lack of a better term, that they're willing to make these wholesale changes that you were willing to make. So now I'm going to throw uh, Jen into the story again really quickly. So when I met her, she was a wreck uh, physically. She she was in pain constantly. I could touch the back of her neck just above her shoulder blade with a half an ounce of pressure, and she would tense up and tighten every single time. She had these knots. You could just feel them all the way back uh, down her shoulder blades. And she had significant hip pain and significant sciatic pain, and she had gut pain every time she ate. And the first thing I helped her with, um, she wasn't totally sure I wasn't a complete quack at this point, but the first thing I helped her with was her gut pain, and I was able to help her with her gut pain immediately, um, where the next meal she ate, she didn't feel any pain, and that that did something for her in terms of, he maybe knows what he's talking about. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I don't have to feel like crap all the time. Right. But when you're stuck in something like that for 20, 25 years, like she was the, the, the chronic back pain and everything, um, there becomes a belief system that you will be that way for the rest of your life. It's not going to get better and it's probably going to get worse. And the first thing I think that we have to impart with you listening to the show right now is that There are no absolutes like that. It does not have to get worse. It does not have to stay as bad as it's been. There is a way to reverse these things, and I believe that completely, and I've seen it so many different times. Fast forward five years or even four and a half years. It's it's been five and a half years since she and I first met, but about four – so I guess that means it's about four years ago. Yeah, a little over four years ago. Or sorry, a little over two years ago, so about almost four years after we met, she made the decision to go grain free. She didn't want to do it. Nobody wants wants to to do do it, it, right? Nobody wants to do it. She didn't know if she had gluten issues. She didn't know if she had corn issues or rice issues or oat issues. She just, I had talked to her about grain free. I'd never been grain free before, but I just recently had a conversation with someone like yourself, Maggie, who said, Oh my gosh, it changed my life. You got to give it a shot. And she decided she was sick of it. And she decided that she'd made herself so much better in so many other ways. The mental, emotional thing was infinitely better than it was uh, just a few years earlier. The gut stuff was infinitely better than it was. So why not the pain stuff at that point? And she decided to do it. And grain-free shifted 
everything for her. She doesn't have knots anymore. She doesn't have uh, sciatic pain anymore. Uh, she rarely gets a headache anymore. She used to get them all the time. So that seemed to be the key for her. The thing is, I don't want anybody listening to think they have to live a perfect health life to get perfectly healthy. That 85-15 thing you said, you know, I I shoot for 85-15. I'm probably closer to 75-25 myself, which is, I guess, better than a lot of people and not as good as others, right? I think most people's is like <laughs> 10% good, 90% process. So I like we have to right. keep it all in perspective. Right. And the key is not to get overwhelmed by it. Yes. For Jen... She worked on her gut. Then she worked on her mental state. She she essentially cured herself of what she thought was incurable, her di- her bipolar diagnosis. And if you haven't heard Jen's story, I did a whole show with her. We're actually doing a part two, three, and four where we're going to talk about the diet changes, uh, the lifestyle, and mental uh, shifts that she made and the supplements that took her out of bipolar, out of chronic pain, all that stuff. But her story is so impactful to me because I love her with all my heart. But it also is this incredible, uh, hopeful story, I think, for anybody else that feels as stuck as she once did. And I think that there are a lot of people in her situation who, I mean, I meet hundreds of them every year who initially they'll talk to me about stress. But as we get into it, of course, there's stress. They're never without pain. They're not sleeping They can't eat without feeling uncomfortable for two hours after. I'd be stressed if that's how I felt every day too. Of course you're stressed. So I I think that when people hear stories like Jen and they see the life she's living now, sometimes it gives them that, okay, wait, no, maybe I don't have to feel like this for the rest of my life. And your story is just as amazing. I mean, that's, that's the thing that's so brilliant about these recovery stories And, you know, I've even told my story with my chronic hip pain and how I've solved that. And so this can be done and it gets done all the time. We just don't hear about it that much. And truthfully, I think more often than not, we're hearing people whining about their pain, not celebrating that they don't have it anymore. We've gotten in this really weird place (laughs) in society where people are almost emotionally attached to the things that are taking away the quality of life. And it's hard... And I see that. I see that in families. Like you almost become defined either by the conditions you have or the people you love have. And it's it's really sad because there's such a beautiful world out there and life is so wonderful to live when you feel good in the body you're in. Yeah, exactly. So because we are going to easily run out of time if we're not cautious, just really quickly, for people that aren't aware of the omega-3, omega-6 ratio, can you talk about that for just a Yeah, a so um, omega-3 fatty acids and omega-6 fatty acids, inherently neither one is good or bad, um, but the ratios matter. And in the U.S., modern societies in general, not just the U.S., but modern life, most modern humans are taking in a lot of omega-6 coming from peanut oils, soybean oil, canola oil, your basic vegetable cooking oils. Um, We're feeding our animals corn, which then makes them high in omega-6. That becomes problematic when our intake of omega-3, which we get from grass-fed animals, dark leafy greens, wild fish, nuts, seeds, um, when our omega-3 intake isn't higher than our omega-6, we start to see symptoms of that imbalance. 
that's a lot of inflammation. It can be imbalances to your metabolic health. Uh, we know people who take in a whole lot of omega-6 are more likely to be overeaters and go for the pleasure-seeking foods, the sugary, fatty, chemically created foods to make you addicted. Uh, we know people who have higher levels of omega-6 tend to have worse immune systems, uh, worse in memory issues. It, it really, it's important. So uh, first and foremost, I always recommend diet changes. If we can get rid of as many of those cooking oils as possible, we can replace our grain-fed animals with grass-fed animals. We can do more leafy greens. But statistics tell us that most modern humans also need to supplement with five to 10,000 milligrams of omega-3 a day, dependent upon what their diet looks like. Um, when I'm perfectly healthy, I take about 5,000. When I'm in crisis, a crisis that indicates imbalance of inflammation, we superdose with omega-3 just to give our body that advantage. Yeah, I love that. And and that and it is important to understand omega-3 is one of my vital five, the five supplements 100%. that I think just about everybody needs to use. Um, but there's kind of a standard dose, maybe it's a thousand or 2000 milligrams. A lot of omega-3 will be fish oil. Most omega-3 uh, supplements are fish oil. And if you're reading the package and it says a thousand milligrams, that usually means a thousand milligrams of fish oil, not omega-3. Most of them have maybe 300 or 600 milligrams of omega-3. So first you have to look on the back of the bottle, make sure that you're seeing how much omega-3 you're getting per capsule, and then you have to look at your life and your symptoms if you're dealing with chronic pain, chronic inflammation, if you're dealing with mental health issues, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, bipolar, attention deficit, any of these types of things that you struggle with, higher omega-3 is always better. I'll also add on there asthma and allergy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people deal with asthma. A lot of people deal with allergy. When they ask me what supplement should I take, I'm like, get your omegas in check. I cannot tell you the number of people who I know who were horribly reactive asthmatic, just balanced their omega-3 and 6 fatty acids and stopped having those every winter flares. Well, and asthma is an inflammatory response, right? So, 100%. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's a real, real key. And part of that can be done by diet. In fact, the bulk of it can be done by diet, avoiding most of those oils. Um, that's been the biggest shift I've made in my health recently is cutting uh, seed oils and vegetable oils from my diet completely. And it's changed things for me dramatically. I've always supplemented omega-3, but uh, that didn't. I didn't supplement enough omega-3 to counterbalance the amount of omega-6 I was eating. So I had to drop the omega-6 dramatically in order to get the omega-3 up and uh, or the ratio up and that changed everything for me um, another one that I want to bring up I want to ask you about is magnesium what are your thoughts on magnesium when it comes to pain oh my gosh I think almost every human is deficient in it our ground soil so I was born in 1979 the broccoli in 1979 had 80 percent more magnesium than it does now uh, we're just not it's not in magnesium boron zinc they're just not in the ground soil anymore so those minerals are extremely important to how our body functions. Um, I find that most of the people I talk to or interact with should be taking 250 to 1,000 milligrams of magnesium a day, depending upon what they're dealing with. Yeah, how much stress they're dealing with, which 
stress, uh, whether or not they're seeing hormonal dysfunction, mm. whether they're cramping, they're not recovering from exercise properly. For me, magnesium deficiency is definitely uh, focus related. I notice that I'm not focusing. Like I can just see it like in people when they're like, you see like they're kind of clenching mm -hmm. and their shoulders naturally migrate up to their ears. I'm like, oh, you just need a lot of magnesium. Let's just give it to you right now because you will feel better. Yeah, mag magnesium is a big one. Another one of my vital five. Um, so then let's talk a little bit about, because a lot of what we've talked about has been inflammatory, you know, things to reduce inflammation, uh, things to, um, you know, kind of balance the system itself. But there is, there are systems within the body, the central nervous system in particular, that are um, critical, uh, that we find balance within the central nervous system. Uh, it's critical in order to manage pain. And of course, that's where CBD comes in. And we've had some discussions about CBD on this show before. Let's, uh, if you will, Maggie, kind of briefly explain the endocannabinoid system and how CBD uh, impacts that. So our body's endocannabinoid system, otherwise known as the ECS, is our body's main adaptogenic system. It's responsible for keeping us adapting to change in a positive way. It does this through regulation of our internal balance, otherwise known as homeostasis. So inflammation is actually my favorite example when I talk about the endocannabinoid system, because for most modern humans, if you ask them, is inflammation good or bad, they're going to tell you it's bad. But it's actually a really good thing if your arm's torn off in a car accident or if you have COVID, right? We need inflammation to mount an antibody response. We need inflammation in order to save ourselves yeah. when we're hurt. The problem in America is that we're modern general. We're out of balance. We're creating way too much inflammation. But the problem would be just as bad if we didn't make enough, right? The goal is always balance. Yep. The endocannabinoid system is the system within all of us that is maintaining that balance of inflammation, sleep cycle, hormones, uh, the way we react to stress. It's keeping all of the functions balanced so that when we need them to work properly, they are fully capable of doing their jobs. Okay, so that's the system and our body makes endocannabinoids? Yes, and so we have in a perfect world, we wouldn't need CBD or hemp extracts because in a perfect world, our endocannabinoid system would stay healthy by making and utilizing its own cannabinoids. We'd have a dense receptor system. I think of it as hands reaching out, wanting to be friends with cannabinoids. Lots of hands, eager for new friendships. And we'd be able to circulate, retain, and stay sensitive to those cannabinoids. If that picture was working as it should, then our body would stay in homeostasis and we would thrive. But we don't live in a perfect world. We have omega imbalances. We're chronically stressed. Our guts are a disaster. We're living in environmental toxicity. We're too dependent on recreational and pharmaceutical medications. We're isolated from our loved ones. We're inside too much. All of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. All of these things kind of come we can think of them as roadblocks to the endocannabinoid system. Because of all of these things, it is really struggling to make and utilize its own cannabinoids. In a lot of modern humans, the density of receptors, the hands reaching out to be friends, you don't got a lot of hands. 
And the ones you do, they don't want new friends. They're hiding behind the back. They're like, oh no, I don't want to work today. Uh, a lot of us, because of our processed diets, aren't sensitized to our cannabinoids. So even if we make them, even if we have the receptors for them, the body's not using them. Um, some of us aren't making our cannabinoids properly. There's just a lot of reasons why the system isn't working to keep us in balance. And when it can't keep up with the demand, we start to see stress go through the roof. We start to see a struggle sleeping. We start to see our blood sugar get wonky. We start to see our hormones get weird. Um, pain and our pain perception, our ability to manage inflammation, our ability to stay healthy from an immune standpoint, it's all directly connected to the endocannabinoid system. So if it's not healthy, you're not going to be healthy. So then as I understand it, um, the the chronic, the nature of chronic pain is also a chronic stress, right? Like you talked about. Yes. And chronic pain comes with chronic stress. They're, they're like uh, best friends. I don't know that you can have, not have chronic stress if you also have chronic pain. And the endocannabinoid system, to some degree, uh, to put it maybe in, in a little bit even more layman's terms, has a hard time keeping up with that on a day in, day out chronic basis. Is that pretty accurate? 100%. So then yeah. someone who is dealing with something they've been dealing with for you know weeks or months or years, uh, regardless of the type of pain, whether it's in the back or the hips or the knees or whatever else it is, um, it would be fairly safe to say that an endocannabinoid imbalance is probably present as well? 100%. Okay. So then yeah. how does CBD, which is a, a phytocannabinoid as opposed to an endocannabinoid, um, how does that play into to uh, balancing that system then? So CBD is not the only phytocannabinoid. There's been over 100 identified. Um, CBD and THC are the two most heavily researched. But what the phytocannabinoids seem to do um, is like, I think of them as essentially superfoods or super nutrients that essentially support the endocannabinoid system in an environment that sets it up for failure. So when we talk about CBD, I think of it as the rebound boyfriend. Um, if my, we can think of my hand as a cannabinoid receptor site, CB2 receptor, in a perfect world, my body would want to put its natural 2AG into that receptor. That's the natural CBD. We could, in really broken down terms. Mm -hmm. Now, if my body can't make its own natural 2-AG, the endocannabinoid, the body will allow CBD, the phytocannabinoid in, but it's not the right molecular structure to fit directly into the receptor site. It's not, it's not the soulmate. Okay. But it is a rebound, boyfriend. It can come <laughs> in. It can shimmy up alongside the receptor. It partially connects. It gives the receptor some love, support. We still love you. You're valuable. We need you to get up. I know you're upset, but come on, work. And through that love and through that support, the CB2 receptor site gets what it needs. It starts to modulate the enzymes that create our own cannabinoids. And we see more bliss. We see better regulation of our inflammation system. We see a better overall support to the endocannabinoid system. We also love about CBD is that consistently, if we're giving that receptor site that love and support, over time, it gets its mojo back 
And it goes out in search of a new soulmate. It goes out, it's able to find its own endocannabinoid, its own naturally made cannabinoid. So I know with CBD and THC and the phytocannabinoids, so often we talk about them almost the same way we would a pharmaceutical. How are they affecting the system? Mm -hmm. And, And you know, I love science and I love that data. But more often than not, I really try to get people to think of hemp extract more as a superfood that nourishes and supports the endocannabinoid system so it can once again start doing its job effectively. I love that. That analogy is fantastic with the rebound too. So (laughs) thanks for sharing that. Uh, Okay. So then we have CBD uh, and and THC and um, because... Again, running out of time a little bit, but just really briefly for people a little less aware, uh, the difference between the two. So CBD is known to be like nutritive. It doesn't create a psychoactive. There's no AK getting high. You're not going to get stoned by taking a CBD rich supplement. THC, the devil's in the dose. So uh, THC in very, very low microdoses or low dose has benefit to stress, sleep, pain, and inflammation, um, neurological support. But THC past the low-dose level is capable of getting you stoned or high. Okay. So um, Stuart, when he was working for CV, used to call one CBD is your decaf coffee where THC would be your caffeinated <laughs> to really kind of simplify things. Uh-huh. Um just different options for different people, different need, different type of day. And when really what, what comes down to phytocannabinoids, and I think is so important for people to understand if they're going to embrace this as part of their lifestyle, is that what works for me will not work for my husband, my best friend, my sister, even my identical twin. We are all going to have different reasons for taking these products. And we're going to see different benefits at different time rates. Um, What would be too much for me might not be enough for my best friend and vice versa. So it's very important when we try these products um, to start low with the milligram amounts, kind of ease in and start going to a store like yours and having a conversation with somebody who's as knowledgeable as you are to really integrate these formulas the right way because they can be highly, highly beneficial if you do it right. But if you don't do it right, you can either not get the benefit that you are hoping for at all, or you might end up thinking that you wish you hadn't tried it. Yeah, especially on the THC, there's a lot of reason to be very cautious with that. Um, CBD, you know, one of the biggest things that I've noticed over the years is that people that have a lot of hesitation because they're concerned about, you know, getting high or, or whatever else, will start very, very small and then don't give themselves the time to work up to the dose that they actually require. And my gosh, the range of what someone might benefit from is massive, right? I've had people at five milligrams of CBD as a game changer and others that have to get all the way up to a hundred or more to really make the difference. And of course, that's going to vary wildly across individuals. So it's important to recognize that trial when it comes to this is a big deal. And especially when it comes to THC, starting small uh, and working your way up uh, makes sense. But don't give up before you've really given it a good shot because you can get some incredible results if you stay the course for a while and kind of figure out what your body can do with it. 
Um, not too long ago, we introduced another compound called PEA uh, to my listeners, and it was actually Stuart who you mentioned that did a show with me on that. Uh, talk a little bit about PEA, because while it's very different from CBD, in some ways uh, it's similar in terms of how the body utilizes it. Honestly, I think that if we were making enough PEA, we would probably use less CBD. It seems to be one of the major breakdowns in the endocannabinoid system that leads to dysfunction. So PEA stands for palmitoyl ethanol amide. Um, it's a molecule that we make as part of our endocannabinoid system. It's made from fatty acids. In a perfect world, we'd make enough of it. Our body needs it anytime it's stressed out, physically, mentally, or emotionally. I experience stress. My body calls to the endocannabinoid system, says, make more PEA. Now, hopefully I can make enough. But what research tells us is we're not making enough. And that's a big problem because PEA is necessary for really important functions, mainly in immune and inflammatory regulation. So we see PEA necessary for brain and nerve support. One of the best ways to deal with neuropathy, PEA seems to just be a shining star. And as you know, neuropathy can be really hard to pinpoint. Mm -hmm. um, we need adequate PEA to maintain cardiovascular function. We need PEA to regulate the immune system. If we're deficient in PEA, we will get sick more often and we will be sick longer and our severity of symptoms will be more severe. Um, we need PEA to regulate our mastin, our histamine response and allergies. We need it to keep the tight junctions and the epithelial linings tight of the gut, the blood vessels and the blood brain barrier. Pretty important. And my favorite thing that PEA has been shown to do is it uniquely regulates something called the NAW pathway. So that's N-A-A-A. Essentially, the NAW pathway is the pathway that determines how well you heal. The NAW pathway is strong and you get sick or injured with the right time and support. Your body fully heals. You go on to fight another day. When the NAW pathway starts to break down, we start to struggle to heal from injury and illness. We're more likely to see that issue degenerate and we're more likely to see it become chronic. So when we look at issues like um, autoimmune, we look at long haulers, those are all indications that the NAW pathway is no longer supported in a way that you can fully recover. So PEA has immediate, it helps in high, high amounts. If you go in high doses, it can help fast, but its shining star is in the moderate and long-term phase of injury and illness. Okay. And like CBD, then it does, it is something your body makes, but doesn't make enough of when there's significant stress, significant pain, that kind of thing. So uh, maybe two years ago, uh, you folks at CV Sciences introduced the relief soft gels. Is that close to a yes. year and a half ago, two years yeah. ago? Um, That's accurate. And I can say this, that uh, one of the big challenges in, uh, natural health as a supplement store owner over the years. When we first opened this conversation up, I talked about how effective uh, simple things like ibuprofen and Tylenol can be for acute pain. And I think that the natural world offers far more incredible options when it comes to chronic pain, but we've not been that great at acute pain over the years in the natural uh, sphere, right? 
And when the Relief Soft Gels came out, it was the first time that I had something I could consistently recommend that people would come back and say, hey, this really helps with my acute pain too, with, you know, my headache or my banged up shoulder or knee or whatever it is. So really interesting how effective it can be with that. And keep in mind what we mentioned at the beginning. While we would love, I know Maggie and I both would absolutely love to just be able to say, take one of these and you'll, you'll be fine. A chronic pain situation really isn't that, right? We've got to look at the whole picture. Uh, this Everything that we've talked about in this episode, I think, matters from the omega-3 to the magnesium to the stretching to the movement to the diet changes to the supplementation. All of it plays a major role in helping out, and each one of those bricks builds on each other to really give you the foundation you need to overcome this chronic pain that you may be dealing with. 100%. I wouldn't be sitting here today feeling as good as I do being able to do jump squats if after that car accident, I had just taken relief soft gels. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, they would have helped. I would have been thrilled to have them as part of my arsenal, but it is it is part of, of. but I will tell you, uh, one of those relief soft gels a day will help a healthy person stay healthy from an inflammatory immune standpoint. Uh, when we're in crisis, whether that's menstrual cramps, migraines, slipped discs, gut issues, autoimmune, uh, overdid it in the gym, I don't care, whatever crisis is to you, two to four of those soft gels will help you feel better fast and will help you in your ability to recover fully in the future. So like you said, it is a powerful tool in the toolbox. Yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you, I've, I've seen it firsthand. When I first talked to Stuart about this a couple of years ago, um, I wanted to believe that this was going to be this amazing combination because I already was a big believer in CBD at that point, but I was PEA was new to me. And I hoped that these two things paired as nicely as it sounded like the science said they would. And they have. Yeah. I mean, we have had really, really fantastic results with it. So it's been it's been great. Um, keep in mind, too, if you're listening here, whether you're on the, the radio uh, or you're listening to the podcast, uh, because of crazy uh, issues that uh, we have with the way that all of this stuff is regulated from state to state, we don't have these items on our website, but we do have these items in store. You can call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801 801- 292-6662, and we're more than happy to answer any questions you have, uh, get stuff shipped out to you if you're not local, and take care of you with that. Uh, we can talk to you about the differences between the different supplements. We've mentioned relief specifically, which is CBD and PEA, but does not have the THC. But there's another fantastic product that we sell a lot of uh, from your company, Maggie, the uh, relief, uh, sorry, the reserve uh, capsules and liquids are also fantastic and gummies. We sell a lot of the gummies, uh, which do have a little bit of THC along with a lot of CBD, but no PEA. So there's different options. Uh, we can also talk to you about, you know, the omega-3 and, and getting that balance and the magnesium and other uh, things that we didn't get a chance to talk about here, like turmeric, boswellia, that kind of thing. The overwhelming thing that I really want, that I hope everybody comes away from with this episode is that if you think you're stuck in a chronic pain cycle and you can't escape it because it just is what it is, you've tried the things, they didn't work, 
if you'll look at this, and sometimes it is one thing at a time, maybe it's just really focusing on uh, dumping a couple of things like sugar and some of the grains. Maybe it's just sugar and gluten. And I say just, that those aren't just, those are big deals. But big starting somewhere. Diet. Or maybe you don't start with your diet and you start with the CBD and PEA and see if you can get a little bit of success that, that way. Get the omega-3s up, see if you can get some success that way. Each one of these steps gives a little more confidence that, oh, hey, I am getting some results here. Maybe if I also add this thing or subtract that thing, uh, I can even get better. But I know, Maggie, you'll echo this. You can get better. Your body is by design supposed to get better. But we put a lot of roadblocks in and oftentimes don't put in the right things to connect the dots to make all that happen. And I hope that this show is encouraging to those of you who are dealing with pain on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. And I do think that a lot of that comes into play because as Americans, we were kind of trained for instant gratification. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. It's layered I think having just realizing that this is temporary and you're going to have to do the work, but you can feel better. And then when you're kissing those frogs till you find the prince. (laughs) And when you're on the way out, um, it is, it's far more challenging. But when you get to the other side, I mean, I can tell you as someone who dealt with chronic pain for about four years, four and a half years and doesn't anymore, life is it's worth whatever you've got to put in to get to that place. That's the best way I can put it. Uh, My sweetheart and I just climbed through the Alps in Switzerland uh, where I, a day or so later uh, after our big, big hike, uh, was able to propose to her at the top of a mountain at 10,000 feet. And I'm telling you that hike was monumental for me. uh, And it happened not because I relied just on the supplements that I sell, I certainly do rely on those as well, but I made game-changing changes to my diet and even to my outlook on can I get better from this, from the hip issue that I was dealing with. And my Jen, oh my gosh, she is a different person since she figured out what dietary things were really uh, standing in the way of her returning to optimal health. And it's beautiful because the two of us at 50 and 51 years old feel better than either one of us did at 40 years old. And that well, and can happen. you've been able to help hundreds and hundreds of people with what you learned. Yeah, absolutely. And you can. You can spread it spread it around. And and if you're one who has had success with these things and you're like, hey, I got to I gotta share this episode or I got to share this information, you are a walking example of someone who's gotten over something that maybe people didn't think you could get over. Maybe even your doctor didn't think you could get over, like what Maggie dealt with with her accident. Um, You are someone who can motivate friends, family to take the next steps. It's very interesting how Jen's family, who has has a very kind of modern medicine background, there's nurses in the family and people that were very tied into that and frankly thought supplements were bunk and diet didn't matter that much are now coming to her and saying, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Because she's proven that, yeah, she can do that. So why can't she it help works. them, right? 100%. Yeah. I, it's funny. The first One of the first things my husband ever said to me when we met was, I told him what I did for a living. He's like, so you sell lies in a bottle. <laughs> and I, I just re- 
remember just going, who is this guy? And I mean, logs, we ended up being good friends and realized we were in love after five years of being friends and all this stuff. And literally this morning he goes, Hey, I'm out of such and such and such and such. Do you think you could, do we have those in the closet somewhere? Because I really don't like going a whole couple days without them. You mean the lies? The lies in a bottle. Those lies make him feel better. Well, it's funny. You and I, man, we that's that's a story we should we should talk about a little bit because that's kind of how it started out with Jen. She wasn't quite so uh uh let's see, rude about it <laughs> as maybe he was, but uh she didn't believe me. She did she thought I was a quack for sure. Crazy. And uh, you know, it takes a little bit of time to get converted, but uh once you start Again, make the small victories, take the small victories, build on those victories. Don't feel overwhelmed. Over, overwhelm only brings more stress, which will bring more pain. Uh, but recognize there is a path. And if you're willing to take that path, path, each step matters and you'll get there in the end. I really do believe that. If you have questions about anything you've heard on this show, call us 801-292-6662 or jump on our website, vitalitynutrition.com, where you can chat with us about these things as well. Maggie, do you have anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? You can check us out at pluscbdoil.com. Thanks so much for having me. I always love chatting with you. Absolutely. And I will say this, of all the CBDs that are out there, because there are a million of them now, CV Sciences was the one that really brought it to the market in a in a legitimate way. They are the one that got me converted, and they I still believe they make the best products in the marketplace when it comes to um, cannabinoids. So I very much, if you trust what I have to say and believe that I know what I'm talking about and on any level, know that I feel the same about CB Sciences and what uh, Maggie and Stuart have brought to you over the years on Vitality Radio. Maggie, thank you so much for being my friend and for being on Vitality Radio. Thanks, friend. You have a great day. All right. Take care. Thank you. And for everyone else, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your ears. Uh, If there's anything that we can do to help you, you know how to get a hold of us at Vitality Nutrition or online at vitalitynutrition.com. We'll have links for the things that we've talked about in the show description, and you can follow those as well. Thank you so much for joining me and for listening to Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair. our awesome music is by brian bob young support vitality radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on apple podcasts youtube or your favorite podcast source Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.